Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Aren't you proud of our young people? Amen. Woody and Jesse Burpo and their team are doing a, fine, a fantastic job. And Max Barroso and his team, they're doing a great job with our junior hires. We're proud of them. And they're, they're already making preparations. Let me give you a heads up. They're already making preparations. I've talked to Woody that next summer we want to go on a mission trip with all of our young people. And so they can take that kind of drama and use it somewhere else as well. And we're excited about that. And so he's beginning to lay the groundworks there. Last week we started talking about fireworks and the fact that fireworks are an integral part of our lives as Americans. In fact, we could say this, there's no July the 4th that's really worth anything, at least in our minds, unless there are fireworks involved. And you can even take that into New Year's Eve party because we like fireworks at New Year's and Eve. And then also, have you ever noticed we've even got so wanting about fireworks that now if you hit a home run, if you're the home team and you hit a home run, they shoot them off at the ball field when you hit a home run. And so we like fireworks. And, and so it's just the, these explosions have become a part of our lives. They're integral to our lives. And so last week I told you that uh, as we begin to talk about the concept of fireworks in our lives as Christians, that fireworks or the power of the Holy Spirit, the works of the Holy Spirit are integral to our lives as Christians. In fact, I, I was thinking about it this, this week and, and I was drawn to a portion of Scripture in Acts chapter 2 verses 38 through 39 that shows us just how integral these, this firework is in our life because this is what it says. It says, And Peter said unto them, Repent ye and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, under the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For to you is the promise, and listen, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call unto him. Teaching us this, that this power, this fireworks is so important in our lives that even children need the power of the Holy Spirit operating in their life, teaching us as adults, if children need the working of the Holy Spirit to accomplish everything that God has for them, planned for them, then as adults, we must also badly need the power and the anointing and the gifting of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so I told you last week that there are some things we need to know about fireworks. The first thing I told you is this, is that I told you I wanted a fireworks display, not only in church, but in our lives on a daily basis. And I told you some things about fireworks displays. I told you, number one, that firework displays take a lot of work and preparation. I hope you prepared before you got to church this morning. If you waited to to prepare until we sang the first song, you were late for work. We needed you to get up in the morning, look at your yourself in the mirror if you can stand that I, I have trouble with that one but look yourself in the mirror and say you know what it, this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it and I focus my attention and I prepare myself to be in his presence so that when we come together there's a fireworks display it takes a lot of work and a lot of preparation the second thing I told you is that visiting a fireworks stand will not necessarily produce in you a fireworks display and then I broke it down for you like this just attending a Pentecostal church does not make you Pentecostal. You become Pentecostal when you have a Pentecostal experience for yourself. And I told you that you could come here the rest of your life and never really have a fireworks display in your life until you get the fireworks 
for yourself. I also told you that we understand that fireworks have an inherent risk or danger with them. People misuse the gifts. But I also told you with all of the risk involved, I am not willing to give up on the fireworks display. We are going to put safeguards in place, and we have done that. We want the fireworks to operate in our life. And then the last thing I told you was this, that a lot of times what we do is we limit fireworks to once a year, or we make certain kinds of fireworks off limits and illegal. And what I said to you last week, I stand by. We will not put anything off limits to God. As long as it's in His Word, as long as we can back it up with what He's given us as a guidebook, as a playbook, we will uh, entertain that and accept that and embrace that because we want God's fullest for our church and for our lives. Everybody say amen, right? All right, so we're going to move forward this week. Dan, if you'll hit that, let me show you where we're headed this morning. There are several types or categories of fireworks. For instance, these are all fountains. These are the ones that sit on the ground and throw up the sparks, uh, the shower of sparks stay all on the ground. Real pretty. Don't really make any noise, but they sure are pretty. And then you have what are called novelty fireworks. These are the little tanks that roll. You have the crazy eyeballs that spin and go round and round. Just little novelties. You have the turtles, the smoke balls. Uh, all the novelty kind of uh, fireworks that the little children love don't make a lot of noise, a lot of sparks and smoke, but that's about it. Then you come on down, and of course you have your standard sparklers that the children love, and of course the all-time classic Roman candles, and uh, of course we know what we use these for even though we're not supposed to. We know what we do with those, and so those are some of the, the categories. There are also some other style of fireworks that I'll, I want to show you too. Come on, I'll, take, I'll, I'll show you these. These are called aerials. These are the ones that shoot way up in the air and explode that you see at the big firework displays. And there's several kinds of these as well. The, these are all self-contained. You light one fuse and it shoots off all the little balls up into the air and blows them up. But then there are also uh, these right here, which are the artillery shell styles. And these are called reloadables. And you put one of the little firework balls in there and light it. It shoots it off. And then you put another one. This one has 12 of those in it. And it does all the big fireworks that uh, we see in the displays on 4th of July. These are called reloadables. These are some of your bigger fireworks, make a lot of noise, a lot of bright sparks and showers, really loud usually. And you can see there's all kinds of those that you can get into. Last but not least, firecrackers. We grew, all grew up and loved these. Now there are a multitude of kinds, but they basically do the same thing. They all are loud and make a lot of noise. And they have various levels of power, but they're loud. So that's what these are, your standard firecrackers. All right, so there's all these categories of firecrackers. In other words, fireworks, certain fireworks have certain job descriptions. Like the fountains, they get bright. And the little M60 style, can't call them M60s anymore, so now they call them titanium. Uh, but same basic premise, you know, they make a lot of noise. And then you have the, they have job descriptions. And so my question to you this morning is this. If you had to write a job description for God, what would it be? And I, and I wrote some things down. I, I said this about God. God is to make sure that everything in the universe is working properly. Right? It doesn't just do its own thing. God is up there making all this work, right? And so that's one of his items on his job description. The second one is God is, according to his word, he's supposed to look out for the orphans and the widows and to those who are down and out. That's his job. His, his third one is God is supposed to love everybody, right? His fourth one I wrote down is God is to hold everyone accountable for their actions and their attitudes. That's his job description. That's the category that he fits in. Well, what about Jesus? Do you have a job description for Jesus? 
I, I wrote some things down. Jesus is supposed to forgive our sins. Uh, Jesus is supposed to pr- provide healing for our bodies. Jesus is supposed to change my heart. But then I came to the Holy Spirit and I said, what is the job description of the Holy Spirit? Because as Pentecostals, what most of us have done is we have relegated the Holy Spirit to doing one thing, giving us good services. Goosebumps when we get together, a few gifts here and there, and that's what he does, and that's his job description. And I think it is essential for us as Pentecostals to go back. I'm preaching these messages in a particular order, and I'm preaching this one because I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit has a job description that he carries out on a daily basis, not just at church, not just a few explosions now and again. The Holy Spirit has specific elements that he does in our lives on an ongoing daily basis that we need to be aware of and that we need to access. And so I want us to look at the nine things. I'm going to do some of these really quick, so you're going to have to hang with me. Nine things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives on a daily basis that we need to be aware of and we need to take advantage of. Number one is this. The Holy Spirit brings regeneration. That word regeneration is only found twice in the entirety of Scripture. And one of these passages of Scripture deals specifically with the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's found in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. And it says this, But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love toward man appeared, not by works done in righteousness, which we did ourselves, but according to His mercy He saved us, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit plays a part in us being regenerated. Regeneration takes place in our life, in our heart, by the working of the Holy Spirit. Well, you say, well, what does that mean? The Greek word there for regeneration means this, new birth. The Holy Spirit plays a part in your life being reborn into a relationship with Jesus. He plays a part in that. In fact, Greek scholars, when they start writing, using this word for regeneration, it carries the concept of of this. It's the return of spring. See, before you knew Jesus and before the Holy Spirit worked in your life, you were living in winter. You may have thought you were having a good time. It may have seemed like the party was fun. But the truth of the matter was at the end of the day when you woke up puking into the toilet, the truth of the matter was this. You were in winter. When everything was going wrong and everything was going bad, it was winter. I don't care if you had all the fancy cars and houses. The truth is is if you didn't know Jesus, you were living in winter. And the Holy Spirit comes along and he has this job description that he does in our life. And he brings us to regeneration, a new birth, the return of Spring. I don't know about you, but I am thankful that the Holy Spirit can bring the return of spring to my life. And so that's one of the roles. He, he gets involved in bringing us to a born-again relationship with Christ. And that's one of his, his job descriptions. The second thing that he does is this. According to John chapter 16, verses 7 through 8, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And I want to read this to you and what it says. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For This is Jesus talking. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I go, I will send him unto you. And he, when he has come, will convict the world in respect of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And we read that verse of Scripture and we think that what that means is that the Holy Spirit only convicts us of sin before we're saved. 
But I want to stand here to you before you this morning and declare to you that the Holy Spirit be- continues to operate that way in your life from the day that you get to know Jesus until you go to heaven. The Holy Spirit's job description is that He will convict you of sin. Let me put it like you like this to you, and I think I've said some of this to you before. But the Holy Spirit is our referee. Right about the time you're ready to commit a foul, right about the moment that you're ready to step out of bounds, the Holy Spirit will blow His whistle and get your attention and say, that is wrong. You don't need to go there. You don't need to do that. You don't need to be involved in that. See, because the reality is, is that I can prove to you, I'm not going to take the time to do it this morning, but if you want to see it, I'll give it to you. I can prove statistically that there's no difference right now between Christians and non-Christians in the way that we live our lives. We still go the same places. We drink the same things. We use the same language language we have the same morals we we divorce as much we lie as much we cheat as much we steal as much because we have lost the understanding that the holy spirit convicts us and we burn our conscience away and so if you do something bad and you hear a whistle go off in your spirit you should not feel bad about that you ought to be thankful for that that means your conscience hasn't been seared according to Paul and therefore the Holy Spirit is operating in your life and you ought to be thankful that the Holy Spirit is doing his job in your life we don't like to talk about convictions much anymore but the truth is that the Holy Spirit wants to bring conviction into your life you should live differently than everybody else I've told you this before you should be freaks Everybody else ought to look at you and go, you're a freak. Why do you live that way? Because the Holy Spirit is operating in my life and causing me to live uprightly. And how do you live a holy life in this jacked up society? How do you stay holy when you ride down the highway and all you see is naked women on the billboards? How do you stay holy when you can't flip the channels without seeing immorality paraded in front of you? How do you stay holy when every sitcom tries to convince you that homosexuality is just an alternative lifestyle and that abortion is okay and alcoholism is okay and binge drinking is okay? How do we live holy? By the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's said like this in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. Listen to what it says. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary to one another, that you may not do the things that you would. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorceries, enmities, strife, jealousies, wraths, fractions, divisions, parties, envyings, envyings, drunkenness, revelings, and such of the like. Now does that sound like our society? Absolutely. Unfortunately, it sounds like a lot of our churches too. Did I just say that out loud? Yeah, I did. that's how most of us continue to live our life. But God says, he goes on and he says this, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He says, I forewarned you that they who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and they that are of Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, and with the passions and the lust thereof, if we live by the Spirit, by the Spirit let us also walk how do we live a holy life in a sin-filled society that is one of the fireworks 
if we would just access this understanding and this truth that the Holy Spirit wants to convict us of sin on a daily, minute by minute, second by second time frame where we change the way that we think and live and behave. The third thing that the Holy Spirit does according to Scripture is the Holy Spirit brings comfort in the time of sorrow. John chapter 14 verse 16, and I, I just read part, part of that to you, or right before that to you. It says, I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter that He may, that he may be with you forever. The truth this morning is that some of you are facing unbelievably difficult circumstances in your life. The truth is this morning is that some of you are smiling real pretty right now and you cleaned up real nice. But the truth is, is that for some of you at home, it is chaotic when you go home. Everything's not perfect. Everything doesn't work just right. There's anger at your house. There's fights at your house. There's need at your house. There's lack at your house. How do you continue to live a joyful Christian walk when you're facing chaotic Hurtful moments. How do you keep it all together when everything's falling apart? How, how do you live your life and continue to live at peace when death overtakes your household? How do you make it when everybody else is turning to drugs and to drink and they look at you and go, how can you stand there and say nothing is impossible with my God? How do you do that? You do that by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit who is a comforter. He brings peace. He brings calm. He brings cool and collectedness to your life. Let me just put, say it to you like this this morning. You don't need a volume to calm you down. What you really need is the power of the Holy Spirit to be operating in your life and bring a peace into your life and into your existence. If you're stressed out, you need the Holy Spirit. If you're at wit's end, you need the Holy Spirit. If you've got uh, stomach problems causing you to be all nervous all the time, you need the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. He brings comfort to you. The fourth thing he does is he does this. He teaches us God's will. John chapter 14, verse 26, the first part of that verse, and chapter 16, verse 13 says this, But the Comforter, even the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. Then in chapter 16, he says, How be it, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he shall guide you into all the truth, for he shall not speak from himself, but what things soever he shall hear, these shall he speak, and he shall declare unto you the things that are to come. Have you ever been reading Scripture? When all of a sudden, as you're reading, minding your own business, just doing your daily duty as a Christian, you're reading Scripture, and something jumps off the page. Has that ever happened to you? It happened to me in college. I can remember this one time in particular. I was speed reading the Old Testament because I had to have it finished by the next day. And I had forgotten to start, basically. And so I was speed reading, just doing my thing, trying to get done. It was like 3 o'clock in the morning when all of a sudden I came across Psalm chapter 34, 18. And it was like all the lights in the whole dorm went in or went on. It says, God is close to those who are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. What was happening? The Holy Spirit, fireworks were happening. He was teaching me all truth because what the Holy Spirit does is he turns logos, the written word, into rhema, a now word. And some of you need to get your word out and begin to read it and allow God to bring all things to, or to begin to teach you his will. He, he wants to teach you. How do we know God's will? Any of you have a hard time hearing from God occasionally? Come on, be honest, right? All of us do. But one of the works of the Holy Spirit is, is that He comes alongside of us and He allows us to understand the, the will of God. In other words, He helps us to take on the mind of Christ and we begin to think like God so that we can do what God wants us to do. 
He helps us to discern the truth. How many of you know that out there right now, there, is a lot of pe- there are a lot of people teaching a lot of things that sound right? Flip on the TV at any moment, and there are a multitude of speakers who are gifted, who have an ability to speak eloquently, and they can run their words together and make it sound really beautiful. And before you know it, when, by the time they're done, even if you didn't agree with them when they started, by the time they're done, you're sitting there going, you know what, I think they might be right. The Holy Spirit works in our lives to teach us all truth. What happens is, is when we begin to hear something that sounds really good, the Holy Spirit can step in and say, uh-uh, it sounds good, but it's not truth. He helps us wade through all that stuff and find out what is really true and what is not. We need fireworks in our life. The, the fifth thing that He does is He does this. He helps us to remember. How many of you need help remembering? <laughs> All right, John chapter 14, verse 26, the last portion of that part of that scripture says, But the Comforter, even the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and he shall bring to your remembrance all that I said unto you. One of the ways that the Holy Spirit works in our life is he helps us to remember what God is trying to teach us. Now look, I wished I was the best speaker in the world, and everything that I ever said you would never forget. But the truth is, I don't even remember some of the things I say. I, I'm just not that gifted enough to, to where I can just say something. That, I hope one of these days I say something you'll never forget. And I hope it's worth remembering. You know, sometimes I say some things I think you might remember. I wish you'd forget. But the, most of the time, I wish I could say some things that you would remember. But the truth is, is that when you walk in these doors, I understand something. You're on information overload. You know how I know that? Because I'm on information overload. I read about five or six blogs a day. I read books all the time. I'm watching TV. I'm listening to CDs. I'm having conversations with people. And by the end of the week, when I get here, I am on information overload. And so I need the power of the Holy Spirit to come along and help me to remember things that I need to remember. See, what the Holy Spirit will do is this. Right in the middle of a situation where you need a word from God, He will help you to remember what that four, the 40 years ago when you were sitting in a Sunday school class, what that Sunday school teacher said that day will suddenly be brought to your remembrance. Right in the middle of a dry moment, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and you'll remember. You know what? Pastor Steve spoke about wilderness moments and the wilderness is not a location, it's condition. I remember that. I've heard that somewhere before. He brings things back to our remembrance when we need them. He will bring scripture back to you. He'll bring songs back to you. He'll bring truth back to you. He helps us remember. In other words, he helps our natural mind recall supernatural things. I'm not telling you that he's going to help you remember where you put your keys. He might. How many of you ever prayed for that? I've prayed for that. Yeah. Lord, please. And, and I'm not saying he won't. I'm just saying that really what we're talking about here is that most of you have received boatloads of spiritual truth throughout the course of your life. And I'm not saying you have to be 40, 50, 60 for that to be true. Our young people right now, because of the, 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 the gift that the Holy Spirit has given our church and our youth workers and our children's workers, have more spiritual revelation and information than most of us had when we were their age. And what I am saying to you is that the Holy Spirit can come along. He does come along aside of that and helps us to remember. So young people, I'm not saying don't study for your test and then go in and say, God, please help me remember. It doesn't work like that. 
I'm saying that what he wants to do is help us to remember the things that we need to remember at the moment that we need it. So we make the right decision. Number six, he gives us power to overcome the devil. Somebody say amen about that. First John chapter 4, verse 4. You can quote this one. You are, you, you are of God, little tr- children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we always quote that one, and I think we, we may, when we quote it, we think about Jesus. But the truth is that it's also about the Holy Spirit. One commentary says it like this. He says, greater is the Holy Spirit which is in you than the Spirit which is in the world. Because I want to tell you something this morning. I can read and preach all the truth in the world And unless you have the power to overcome the devil, it won't do you any good. You will never obtain to to what God has called you to and the truth that we share with you unless you are able to overcome the power of the enemy in your life because he will steal the word, he will steal the truth, he will destroy the truth in your life unless you are able to overcome him. And so what I am saying to you is that one of the powers of the Holy Spirit in our life is he gives us the authority and the ability to overcome the devil. To beat him up. How many are tired of getting beat up and want to beat him up? Right? We do that through the power and through the strength of the Holy Spirit. If we were facing a natural foe, we could use natural tools and I could go out in a natural way and defeat the enemy. But the truth is, is that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is not a flesh and blood battle. We are in a struggle with a spiritual force. And if we are going to overcome a spiritual force, then we've got to go back and tap into the power that the Holy Spirit gives us because it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It is by His Spirit that we have the ability to overcome the enemy. Willpower won't get it done. Support from your friends won't get it done. You can go attend all the self-help seminars you want to. They won't get it done. But the one thing that can always defeat the power of the enemy is a a greater power. And the greater power resides in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just about goosebumps on Sunday morning. This is about you having power to live a victorious life all week long. The seventh thing he does is this. He empowers us for service. In Acts chapter 6, we, we can read about some of the history of the New Testament church. And, and I discovered something interesting there. The Bible says, and, and I'll read it here in just a second. But the Bible says that the disciples, now called apostles, were so busy doing the business of the church that it was taking away from their time of, of ministering and reading God's word and getting direction and vision from God's word for the people. And so they make this decision. They decide that what they should do is they should select men to come alongside them to, to wait on tables and to help the, the sick and to help the widows and the, all that stuff, that somebody conduct the business. And what I discovered is, is that they had some prerequisites for service. For you, in order for you to be chosen as one of the ministers who were going to serve in that day, here was the prerequisite, Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Look ye out there for brethren from among you, uh, seven... Let me say it again. Look ye out therefore, brethren, from among you seven men of good report, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom you may appoint over this business. So in other words, what they're saying is, we want you to go find seven men. They have to be gifted naturally because they've got to be men of wisdom. They've got to have a good report. They've got to have a good reputation. But here it is. Here's the prerequisite. They need to be full of the Spirit. And what I am saying to you this morning is that one of the powers of the Holy Spirit in our life is He empowers us for service. Can I get real blunt and tell you this? If you're coming to church week after week and you're not serving, you're wasting the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
Well, that went over huge. Let, let me say it again. If you're breaking that door open every week and you're coming in here and sitting on your rear and you're not serving in some capacity according to your natural giftings but empowered by the the Holy Spirit in your life, you are wasting the power of the Holy Spirit that God has placed in you. He empowers you for service. So what I am saying to you is this. We need people who are gifted naturally to be ushers, gifted naturally to be children's workers, gifted naturally to teach, gifted naturally to handle the finances, gifted naturally to sing, because sometimes I don't even know if the Holy Spirit can make up for some of the way we sing. I don't know. But, but we want you to be gifted naturally to sing and gifted naturally to play, and we want you to be gifted naturally, but I don't want just that. What we really need is we need that person that is gifted naturally to us to be suddenly filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and us under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I want somebody that knows how to take care of children, that has a natural ability to spend time with them and love on them and nurture them. That's not enough. You can find that at a daycare. I want them to be anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit and be empowered for service so that when they lay their hands on those children, there's there's an anointing that takes place. I want our youth workers and our youth teams and our sound people and our financial team to operate under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit because that causes us to serve more effectively and more efficiently and more powerfully than before. We need the Holy Spirit to work effectively. That way you don't burn out. How many of you have ever burned out in something? Right? I've burned out before. But we can't burn out if we're operating in His strength. We only burn out when we're operating in our strength. So we need you. You're going to find out why we need you more. We always need you, but you're getting ready to find out why we need you more at the end of this month. But I want to tell you, I don't want you to show up because you've got a talent. I want you to show up talent with your talent anointed and emphasized by the power of the Holy Spirit. The eighth thing that he does is he communicates for us and through us. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 says this. It says, In like manner the Spirit also helpeth our infirmity, for we know not how to pray as we ought. Let me just stop right there and ask any of you if you've ever been there. Have you ever not known how to pray? I look back over my life and I realize that there were times I didn't know how to pray. Like when I was in college, dating one, well, more than one, but several people. She wasn't it. I wasn't dating her in college. And I would pray, oh, God, let this be the one, right? Oh, come on, y'all prayed that too. Aren't you glad God didn't answer that prayer? I'm glad God didn't answer that prayer, right? I didn't know how I was supposed to pray. I wasn't praying right. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit can come alongside of us and help us when we're jacked up. When we don't know what we're doing, He can pray through us and cause us to pray. Well, I got out of that one, didn't I? Y'all thought I was getting in trouble, and I was blessing her. Y'all trying to get me in trouble, and I was blessing her. I was trying to go a different route. God said, uh-uh, I know what's best, right? That's what he does. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, we don't, whoo. All right, y'all dismissed. Let's go home. All right, so, all right, teenagers, let me help you right now. Y'all going to start dating, and you're going to think, this is the one. You don't have a clue. Come on, parents, say Amen. I don't have a clue. None. Zero. Zilch. Nada. But, but that's all right. We're human. 
And God knows that. He makes provision for that. And the provision is the Holy Spirit prays through us even when we don't know how to pray. God, give me this. See, we, we want to put it off all on the teenagers. But the truth is, it is it's, it's truth for us too. Because we'll pray, God, give me that job. Give me that car. Oh, God, I need that car. What you don't know is it would break you and you'd be struggling all, all month long and you'd be stressing and you could no longer serve and you'd be all stressed. God, give me that house. You don't know that if you move into that house, your whole life will become about that house and you'll backslide on, come on, I'm preaching good right now. That we want to put that off on them, but it's true for us too. We, even as adults, we pray sometimes like we shouldn't pray. And the Bible says right here that the Holy Spirit will help us to pray when we don't know how to pray. But the Spirit Himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And He maketh, and he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit because He maketh intercession for the saints according, listen to this, according to the will of God. Let me ask you, which prayers are going to be answered? The ones that are according to your will or according to the will of God? I want to tell you this morning that every time you pray according to the will of God, it will be answered. Every time. Because we're praying His mind and His heart. And the way we tap into that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we want to do is we want to regulate that to tongues. It's all about tongues. The Pentecost is all about tongues. Tongues are just the icing on the cake, buddy. This says there are groanings. When's the last time you got into the presence of God and you were so overcome by this need and this, this issue of your life and just in communion with God that you didn't know how to pray and groanings came out of you? It's not just about tongues. It is about tongues, but it's not just about tongues. He speaks through us and prays through us. The Holy Spirit is our direct pipeline to the Father. When we pray in other tongues, it is a direct pipeline to the Father. That's why you don't just need to pray in tongues when you come to church. That's why you don't just pray in tongues when you're having an emotional outburst at church and the feel-goods are there and the lights are just right and the smoke's pumping real good and the right song. No, it is a direct pipeline to the Father. That's why Paul said, I pray in tongues all the time, more than you. He understood that it is a direct pipeline to God. We need to access that and take advantage of that. It is a special prayer language that allows me to communicate with my Father and Him to communicate to me. It's mysteries. The Bible says that we're speaking mysteries. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, it says, For he that speaketh in a tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth, but in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. When the Holy Spirit is praying through you and in you and you're cooperating with Him, you are praying mysteries. Why, what are we talking about? The Holy Spirit, God has gone before you. He knows everything that's going to happen in your life. And as you begin to pray, you pray mysteries about your future, about your plans, about your purpose. And God begins to place into, bring into existence the things that are out there that we don't even know about. Mysteries. We need tongues. We need to access tongues. But don't, we don't just need to restrict it to that. We need to bring in the groanings and this communication with God, this direct pipeline with God. Real quiet in the Pentecostal church this morning. Because, see, all we want to do is we want to get up and do our little tongue thing, pat ourselves on the back and say, well, we had church this morning. We're really good Pentecostals. Un- misunderstanding and diminishing the power that is involved in that. Do you understand when you're standing there or sitting there or singing there and you begin to go over into that prayer language that you've received from the Father that you are at that moment accessing one of the greatest powers ever known to mankind? 
and you are speaking things into existence at that moment, it's powerful. It's not, getting a, it's not about you getting a spiritual badge that you're spirit, more spiritual than everybody else. It's power. So he brings the power to communicate. And I don't know about you, but I want to be able to communicate with my father. And I want to have his will come about in my life. The ninth thing. I've actually got ten, but you'll understand here in a second. The ninth thing that the Holy Spirit does in us is he gives us power to witness. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit is crucial in our life because he enables us and gives us the power to become witnesses. Witnesses. This is not about spiritual goosebumps. This is not about so that we can say we had good services. This is not about putting a sign of Pentecostal up on our church so everybody knows we do freaky things. This is about, we should have recognized this from the very beginning because the first time Jesus speaks to us about the Holy Spirit, giving us the Holy Spirit right here, he says, you will become my witnesses. That is what it's all about. It's about you becoming powered up to power out. In fact, let me put it to you like this. The Holy Spirit is not really about you. The Holy Spirit is about the people that he wants you to reach. Well, this Holy Spirit thing is all about me. I've got this gift, and I go into this zone, and I glow, and I knock people down, and, and I give words, and when I go home, I feel so good. That's not what it's all about. What it's really all about is who you can reach. See, the truth is, is that it wasn't all of a sudden that a group of disciples who were bashful and timid and scared to death suddenly went to some self-help seminar or read the right book or listened to the right CD and bust out of the upper, upper room and went everybody to Jesus. No. They were scared to death. They were timid. They didn't know what to do. But when tongues of fire fell upon them and they had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, suddenly they bust out of the upper room and they begin to witness. They can't even contain it. The first thing they do is Peter stands up and he begins to preach and 3,000 get saved. He preaches for three minutes and 3,000 people get saved. We want to preach for 3,000 minutes and three people get saved. We wonder what's wrong. It's because we're not using the gifting of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, right? And so what I want to say to you is I want you to come in here and I want you to dance the the paint off the wall. I want you to use all the gifts of the Holy Spirit where people are giving words of wisdom and knowledge and reading people's mail. And I want us to to use the prayer language that God has given us. And I want us to see faith and miracles and all that stuff we're going to talk about next week. But if you never go out of here and tell anybody about Jesus, it was a show. You belong in the circus. Because that's not what it's about. See, the truth is, is that most of us are way too quiet about Jesus. We don't tell anybody about him. If we don't have a Passion Church sticker on our car, that's as far as we'll go. Boy, I'll put a Passion Church sticker on my car. Then everybody knows about that I love Jesus. No, they don't. Everybody's got a sticker on their car. Oh, I wear my Christian t-shirts. Great. But when are you going to tell them? How are they going to know unless you tell them? How are they going to know unless you tell them your passion story? 
How are they going to know that there is a, the Son of God died for them, was crucified on a cross, was put in a tomb, and came back to life on the third day so that they can have access to the Father? How are they going to know unless you tell them? That is what the Holy Spirit is all about. That is the basic bottom line firework that God wants to use in our life. He wants us to become witnesses. So I just want to challenge you. When's the last time you told somebody? Well, I'm not a, I don't have the gift of evangelist. That's fine. I didn't say you were called to be an evangelist. I said you were called to be a witness. You don't have to be an expert to be a witness. How many of you know you can be called to, into a court case and be called as a witness? You don't have to be an expert witness. You just have to be a witness. You know what a witness does? Tells what I've seen and what I've experienced my way. That's what you're called to do. To tell your story, tell what God has done in your life, and the Holy Spirit is for that to empower you to have enough guts to do that. We're too quiet. The last one, the tenth thing that he does is he gives gifts. You just write that one down. I'm not going to say a word about it except this. We're going to talk about that next week. If you want to find out what gifts of the Holy Spirit he gives, then I want you to be here next week. And you are going to see a miracle happen next week because I'm going to talk about all the gifts in one message. And I'm going to do it fast. And real fast. It's like Danny and I were talking about. This is going to be a 35,000-mile high flyover where you just see a glimpse of it. But I'm going to try to break them down real practically and real quickly for you so that you understand them so that you can begin to operate in them because that is one of the fireworks. I want you to stand with me this morning. I have slipped this week and next week into a role that I don't normally feel too much, I don't think, and that is as a teacher. I want to teach you because let me just tell you what I think is happening. Hear me this morning. Hear me, hear me, hear me. I think what is happening is we are standing on the edge. We have a decision to make after next week if we're going to live up to what we say we're going to live up to, which is that we are going to be passionate people empowered by Pentecost. And I can't call you to something that you don't understand. And so I'm trying to explain it to you as best I know how. But when it comes to the end of the day, it's a mystery. There's a faith element involved. And what has to happen is you have to come to the place in your own life where you make this decision. If it's in that Bible, if I can find it, and I can tell you what chapter to find it in, Acts chapter 2, and all through Acts, if I can find it there, I want it. That's the decision I'm calling you to right now. You can attend this church and never tap into what we're talking about. And I, and I want to tell you, you'll have good time. You'll have good music, some good preaching occasionally, a lot of good friends. But when we really pull it all down, you will miss the boat. And you'll have to watch everybody else's fireworks display and you will miss the privilege and the honor and the unbelievable experience of being in tune with God and used by God. You have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. That's my challenge to you this morning. You have a choice to make. I want to pray with you, and then we're going to just follow the Holy Spirit here, and then we're going to take up an offering for the youth and all that. But I want us to make sure you understand where we're at this morning. Let me do this. I want to, I want to be real sensitive. How many of you... Oh, man, I'm scared to even ask this question because I know the answer because I know all the young people are going to be gone next week. How many of you are going to be gone next week traveling? 
Okay, we've got about 30, 35 people going to be gone next week. I already know that. So I'm going to do what I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying to do, and then we'll adjust. Father, I thank you this morning that there is this mystery of the Holy Spirit. We, you're calling us to step out in faith, to embrace, to embrace everything, the fullness that you've promised us. God, I don't want to be guilty of turning my back on that. I don't want to be guilty of seeing what you have for me and say, no, I'll do without. That's all right. Thank you very much. No, God, I want everything that you've promised me. So, Father, I'm praying that the fire would begin to work in our lives. I am praying that we would have a fireworks display in our lives. God, I'm praying that we would have conviction in our lives. I'm praying that we would have comfort in our lives. I'm praying that we would know the will of God. I'm praying that you'd help us to remember. I'm praying that you would make us witnesses. I'm praying that you'd bring comfort in the time of sorrow. God, I'm praying you'd do all these things that we've talked about this morning. God, I'm praying you would communicate through me when I don't know how to pray. When I don't know how to pray, which is often which is more times than I would like to admit. Then, Father, I'm praying that in the name of Jesus, through the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that you would fill me with fire. Let your fire fall again. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This is what I want us to do. never experienced the fire that we've been talking about. You've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit and He is a gift. You don't have to do anything for Him. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to hop on one leg and pray and let go and hold on and buck and shout and all that stuff. All you got to do is access the Father and say, Father, you're a good Father. You have a gift for me and I want it. We try to make you dance and do all kinds of hula hoop things, and you don't have to do any of that. All you got to do is say, God, you promised me, and I want it. If that's you this morning, you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in our circles, we say, say it like this, and I, and I don't want to confuse you, but with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, we believe this, that we can tell whether you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit because you will speak in other tongues. It's, it's not a spiritual badge. It's just an identification for us that we know. The Bible says in the upper room that they spake. Catch that. You need to catch that. They spake in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. In other words, you've got to open up your mouth and you've got to step out in faith and you've got to begin to speak what you hear God saying inside of you. And when you do, the Holy Spirit intervenes and intersects that and, and you begin to communicate in, in, in this language that you've never learned. But if that's you and there's something going off inside of you going, I want that. I don't want it just for the tongues. I want it because of all this other stuff that comes along with it, and I want it for what it's really about. If that's you, then quickly, 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 I want you to come and stand up here right now.
here's what we're going to do. We are trying. I, I, I have seen so much stuff happen. So we are trying to be so right and in order. This is the way we're going to do this. Woody, I want you to get your ushers. I want them to go to the doors. Here, here's what's going to happen. We're going to pray. And if you didn't come down and you want the Holy Spirit this morning, we'll stay here all day with you. If you've received the Holy Spirit in your past and you haven't been accessing the Holy Spirit, then you probably need to get down here too. And we'll just pray that while we're at it, that the Holy Spirit will refresh and renew and rekindle that fire that's in you. In fact, let me just give that altar call right now. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit before and and you you do not, you have not been accessing that gift and utilizing that gift, and you can say this morning, I need it. I need to be refreshed. I need to be renewed in this. Then real quickly, step out from where you are and come forward. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray and I'm going to dismiss you. And if you need to go, then that's fine. But I want you to stop by those offering buckets and bless our young people because God's getting ready to change their life at YouthQuest. It's an incredible event. And I believe that when they get back, they're not going to be the same. But we need to help them. They're going to go man the doors and I don't want you just to do what we do and kind of sneak by wait till two or three people walk by and get behind them and walk out so they don't see you stop by and bless them but we're going to stay here and pray and ask God to give this gift that he's promised and if you need to be refreshed now's a perfect time now's a perfect time Father I thank you for your word this morning I thank you that we can do everything right and in order according to your word I thank you that your word meets us right where we are I thank you that you can create a hunger in us that not only do you create it then you feel it and God I pray that that's what would happen in us God even if we've known Pentecost all of our lives and we have thought we've experienced everything there is to experience I pray that you would cause a new and a fresh hunger to overtake our lives so that we would be desperate Desperate, desperate, desperate for fresh fire. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Father, as we pray this morning, I'm praying that the gift of the Holy Spirit would fall in this place. And according to your word, we would speak in other tongues. We would operate in in comfort. We would operate in wisdom. Truth would overtake our lives. And we would be empowered to be great and mighty witnesses for you. And Father, we'll praise you for it. We'll give you glory for it. We'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. If you want to hang around and worship, if you want to hang around and use the gifts of the Holy Spirit this morning, you're free to do so. But if you need to leave, that's fine as well. God bless you this morning. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. Passion. 